Christian fundamentals every parent should know. Guiding your family in faith starting with the basics. You might be navigating parenthood without the background of a Christian upbringing. Perhaps you're at the beginning of your journey and looking for the best way to introduce your children to God. You could be seeking to lay a solid faith foundation right from the start. Maybe you're new to your faith and feeling unsure of where to begin. And maybe you occasionally feel stumped by your children's questions or feel unprepared to discuss your faith with non-believers. If so, you're certainly not alone, and a deeper understanding of Christian fundamentals may resonate with you. I want to start by saying that no human has all the answers. Your faith journey is uniquely yours, built on a personal relationship with God that will continue to grow and evolve over a lifetime of love and learning. The insights I share here come from my own experiences, education, and relationship with God, grounded in the Word and guided by the Holy Spirit. They are my interpretations and beliefs, so I encourage you to consider them in alignment with your own journey with God and take from them what resonates with you. That being said, let's get started. I believe the foundational truths every Christian needs to know fall into the following categories. Love, judge, relationship, religion, grace, forgiveness, Old Testament, New Testament, the word, the world, how do you know if you're saved, how do you pray, and what's next? Then we'll cover two bonus tips, where you test everything, and what to do if you feel overwhelmed. Do you want to create peace in your home and be the best parent you possibly can be? Are you ready to feel confident and clear in your decisions? Do you wish you could navigate conflicts and challenges calmly and effectively? Well, there's a way to overcome the roadblocks that are standing between you and the family life you've prayed for so that you can create consistent routines, find fulfillment and balance, and thrive in your life and family. Hi friends, I'm Katie Bordeaux, host of Raising Faithful Families, founder of Covenant Collections Christian Parenting Company, and a certified parenting and family coach. In this podcast, I'll guide you on how to find balance and fulfillment without adding stress or sacrificing precious time, create peace in your home, become the parent God has called you to be, strengthen your connection with God and with your family, navigate life using biblical wisdom and Christian values, and experience growth spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and practically as a parent and as an individual. I'm here to help your family be its best for each other so that you can be your best for the kingdom of God. It's time to create a home filled with love, faith, and true joy. Let's thrive together with God at the center every step of the way. I pray this blesses you. Let's get started. First, we have love or judge. Have you ever found yourself wondering, if God is so loving, why does he allow punishment? Why does he send people to hell? You're not alone in this, and it's essential to understand that God embodies the epitome of love, yet he is also the ultimate judge. His intolerance for sin is balanced by his boundless grace and forgiveness, offered to us if we choose to repent. Let's think about this from your perspective as a parent which might help illustrate this concept more clearly. Much of the guidance you provide as a parent is for the benefit of your children. You tell them, don't touch the stove, it's hot. You have to look both ways before you cross the road, or no jumping on the bed. 
and they might not understand it at the time, but you know that these actions are likely to lead to harm. So you set these boundaries to protect them. If they rebel against your protection, the consequences of their choices will hurt both you and them. Of course, you don't want them to suffer any negative consequences. Your role as the parent is in the guidance, direction, boundaries, love, supervision, and relationship that you offer. Yet short of keeping them in a bubble and stripping them of all free will, the decision to follow your loving guidance or face the consequences is ultimately up to them. God sets boundaries and guides us not to limit our freedom, but to shield us from the pain and consequences of our sin. While God's perspective is infinitely broader and deeper than ours, the principle remains the same. He wants to save us from harm, and he offers us protection if we choose it. Ultimately, the choice is ours. As for the idea that God sends people to hell, consider this analogy. You're on a ship and you see someone in the ocean struggling to stay afloat. You toss them a life raft. It's right there within arm's reach. Salvation is theirs should they choose to take hold of it. If they decide against grabbing the raft, you didn't drown them, did you? You can give someone every opportunity to avoid a negative consequence of choice, but you cannot force a human to act in anyone's best interests in many cases, not even their own. Maybe you think, well, no, but I could have just jumped in the water and helped them. Perhaps, but what if you couldn't swim? Should you sacrifice yourself to save their life only to end up losing both? I'm sure God could swim if he wanted to. Jesus walked on water after all, but that's not really the point. He cannot tolerate sin. We see that early in the Old Testament. So if the ocean we're fighting is our sin, he cannot jump into it to rescue us. But he knows we're incapable of saving ourselves. That's why he sent Jesus to be our life raft. That's why he literally did sacrifice himself in the form of his son to save our lives. Sure, he could stop us in our tracks and make us perfect beings. But then what would be the point? Would you want someone to love you only because they have to? Heaven isn't the default setting and hell the punishment. Heaven is a gift. Heaven is an offering. Heaven is eternal life free of pain and suffering that you're offered if you just reach out and take hold of it. He extends the ultimate life raft, the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. We are not entitled to nor are we worthy of this gift. Yet God wants to welcome us home with him for eternity and offer us life. We have the free will to decide if we will choose to accept that gift that he's offered us or not. Our fate is not his fault or in any way a lack of his love. It's our choice whether or not to embrace the gift of salvation. It's a profound expression of his love, giving you the autonomy to choose your path Even when it means you might walk away from the safety that he offers, even though it will pain him and you if you do. God's judgment isn't about cruelty and hell isn't God's desire for anyone. It's simply the ultimate consequence of rejecting the life raft he's tirelessly holding out to us. And some scripture guidance here is John 3, 16 to 17. For God loved the world in this way. 
he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord second peter 3 verse 9 the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And next we have relationship religion. To the world, Christianity may appear to be just a set of rituals and traditions. Yet what God seeks with you is a genuine personal connection. The essence of your faith lies in the intimate, ongoing relationship that you develop with God, a relationship that is as unique and personal as any you might have with any other being, yet infinitely deeper because it connects you with the divine. This relationship is built on communication, trust, love, and forgiveness. It involves talking to God through prayer, not just in your moments of need, but in all aspects of life, sharing your thoughts, your gratitude, and your fears. It's about listening for God's voice in your life through scripture, through the counsel of others, and through the quiet moments of reflection. It's about trusting in God's plan for you, even when that plan isn't clear or leads you through challenging times. It's about feeling God's unconditional love, a love so profound that it sent Jesus to live among us and die for us so that we might have eternal life. Understanding Christianity as a relationship changes how we approach our faith. Faith isn't checking off boxes to ensure we're in good standing. It's about truly growing closer to God, learning about his nature, and reflecting that love and grace in our lives. It's a dynamic living faith that evolves and deepens over time, influencing every aspect of our being. In this relationship, you are a child of God, invited to know him personally, to love him and be loved by him. This personal connection with the creator of the universe is what sets Christianity apart. God seeks a genuine connection with you, one that surpasses the superficial layers of ritual and tradition. He calls you to know him intimately, to engage with him directly, and to love him deeply. And there is nothing better. Scripture guidance here is James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus John 15:15 15, 15. no longer do i call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all that i've heard from my father i've made known to you and jeremiah 31:3 the Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And next is grace, forgiveness. God's grace and mercy are infinite, offering forgiveness beyond our understanding. However, embracing his forgiveness isn't a license to live in sin. 
True repentance means turning away from your sins and striving to live a life that reflects Jesus' teachings and love. In other words, there's nothing you've done that God cannot forgive. But if you continue intentionally making the same mistakes after seeking his forgiveness for them, it is likely you haven't truly repented. God's grace is a testament to his unconditional love for you. It is unearned. It is given freely despite your imperfections and failures. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. His mercy erases our sin, offering us a clean slate. Christ compels us to live lives transformed by his love and not to take his sacrifice for granted. True repentance involves a heartfelt turning away from sin and commitment to walk in obedience to God. It's about recognizing the weight of your transgressions, not only feeling remorse, but also making a deliberate choice to change your behavior and align your lives more closely with Christ's example. To live a life that mirrors Jesus is to embrace love, humility, service, and sacrifice in your life. It also means cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these qualities do not always come naturally. They develop as you deepen your relationship with God and allow His Spirit to work within you, guiding your thoughts, actions, and interactions with others. Understanding God's grace and mercy as the profound gifts that they are compels us to live differently. And scripture guidance is Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And 2 Corinthians seven ten. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. And next we have Old Testament, New Testament. While God's nature, as depicted in the Old Testament and the New Testament, might seem different, it is important to understand that he is unchanging. Understanding both testaments is crucial for a full grasp of God's plan and his love for humanity. In the Old Testament, we see God reveal himself as the creator, lawgiver, and the holy one of Israel, who demands righteousness and justice, but also shows mercy and compassion. The laws given through Moses were part of a covenant that highlighted God's holiness and the need for humanity to live in a way that reflects that holiness. The New Testament introduces a new covenant through Jesus Christ, which fulfills the prophecies and promises about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Jesus said himself that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus provides a way for humanity to be reconciled to God. The New Covenant is characterized by grace and the opportunity for a direct relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8.13 notes that by establishing a new covenant, God made the first one obsolete. This is why we're no longer required to follow the old covenant sacrificial system and ceremonial laws, which were fulfilled in Christ's sacrifice. 
The Old Testament sets the stage for the coming Messiah, showcasing God's patience, justice, and preparatory work for salvation. The New Testament reveals that plan through Jesus Christ, offering salvation to all humanity. God's love and justice are themes that span both Testaments. In the Old Testament, God's justice often comes through his judgments against sin, yet his love and mercy are still evident in his continual offers of forgiveness and restoration to those who repent. In the New Testament, God's love is most profoundly expressed in the gift of his son Jesus as the means for our salvation, reconciling justice and mercy. Understanding this harmony between the Old and New Testaments reveals a God whose ultimate goal has always been constant, to restore the relationship between himself and humanity, which was fractured by sin. This comprehensive view of God's word allows us to appreciate the depth and breadth of God's love, to live according to his unchanging standards, and to embrace the salvation that's offered through Jesus. Scripture guidance here is Malachi 3.6 Because I, the Lord, have not changed. You descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. Matthew 5.17 Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Romans 15.4 For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. And Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Next, we have the word or the world. Living by the word rather than the world's standards can be challenging, but that's what you're called to do as a Christian. The Bible warns that the path to salvation is narrow, which indicates that not everyone who appears to be a believer will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. Your life should be distinguishable by your actions, choices, and character. What you claim and proclaim is far less important than what you prove through the truth within your heart and through obedience to God's instruction in your life. I have experienced the truth of salvation and relationship with God and the sanctification process that follows. The truth is that I was transformed from within in ways that I could not possibly have expected simply through my pursuit of God. My identity, my decisions, and my impact in the world all became aligned with God's will for me because I chose to pursue and allow them to. And I share this as someone who was a Christian for many years before I ever experienced this truth of living for the word rather than the world. And I didn't even realize how different the two truly were until I experienced that transformation for myself. When you face the constant overwhelming stress to be better, simply replace the goal. Work towards being closer to God, not better for God. As a result, you'll achieve both goals, but you'll do so with a peace that truly does surpass understanding. Genuine faith is not only a matter of outward affiliation or belief, but involves a deep personal commitment to living according to God's commandments, often in contrast to societal norms. It's a path less traveled because it demands a rejection of the world's fleeting pleasures and values in favor of eternal truths and rewards. 
The challenge lies not only in discerning this path amidst the world's distractions, but also in maintaining the discipline and courage to walk it. The distinctiveness of a Christian's life is not for their own sake, but serves as a testimony to God's transformative power and love. Your actions, choices, and character become the living translation of the gospel to those around you, offering an invitation to others through the light they see in us. This mission requires discernment, wisdom, and a commitment to biblical truths, even when they are countercultural or unpopular. While the challenge of living by the word in a world oriented towards different values is very significant, it's not without promise. Jesus assures us that those who follow him may face persecution and hardship in this world, but will find abundant life in him. The promise of eternal life with God far outweighs the temporary pleasures or comforts that this world offers. It's a commitment to allow God's word to guide your beliefs, decisions, and actions to represent Christ's love and truth in a world that is desperately needing both. And scripture guidance here is Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, how do you know if you're saved? You may be a believer, but you're questioning, have you accepted that gift of salvation? Salvation is a gift that is available to everyone at any stage of life. There is no prerequisite amount of knowledge or righteousness that you need to accept this gift. If you've strayed from your faith or you wish to reaffirm your commitment to God, it's never too late to renew that relationship. Understanding salvation as a gift represents the grace-based nature of Christianity. You don't have to be worthy of salvation. In fact, none of us are. And yet God offers it to us freely. Knowing whether we are saved requires trusting the nature of faith and the promises of God. Faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the key to salvation. Romans 10, 9 declares, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This faith leads to repentance, a turning away from sin and towards God. Acts three nineteen encourages us to repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. As you walk with him daily, you will grow in your understanding of his love and be transformed by his spirit. 
the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11 through 32 beautifully illustrates God's readiness to welcome back anyone who returns to him, no matter how far they've strayed. If you're questioning your salvation, reflect on the truth of God's word, the evidence of transformation in your life, and remember that God's promise of salvation through Christ is sure and steadfast. I want to remind you again of Ephesians 2.8, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. 1 John 5 verse 13, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans 10 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now how do you pray? Prayer is simply communicating with God, sharing your thoughts and burdens and thanks with him. There is no wrong way to pray, but doing so with a sincere heart is important. Remember that no matter what words you choose, God knows the truth within your heart. Understanding how to pray is fundamental to nurturing a deep and personal relationship with God. Prayer is the conduit through which we communicate with our creator. We share our innermost thoughts and express our gratitude and lay down our burdens. It's both a privilege and a direct line that's open at all times under any circumstance. It's dialogue with God and expression of faith and trust in him. Again, Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7 is what encourages us not to be anxious, but in every situation with prayer and petition, present your request to God. The sincerity of your prayer is more important than the eloquence of your words. God is not looking for perfectly crafted prayers, but for heartfelt communication. In Matthew 6, 7, Jesus warns against using vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Instead, he emphasizes the importance of a sincere heart, which indicates that God values your authenticity. The Lord's Prayer, which is found in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, serves as a perfect model for how we should pray. It begins with adoration, recognizing God's holiness and sovereignty. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It then submits to God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Followed by petitions for our needs. Give us today our daily bread. Requests for forgiveness and the grace to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And ends with a plea for spiritual protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. While the Lord's Prayer provides guidance, your prayer should also reflect your personal relationship. This means bringing to God your unique concerns, joys, and questions. Speak to him in your own words, just like you would with a friend. This is what will help you build intimacy and comfort with God, letting you know him more deeply and feel his presence in your life. Prayer can take many forms, including but not limited to thanksgiving, where you express your gratitude, supplication, where you present your needs, intercession, where you pray on behalf of others, and contemplation, where you sit in silent acknowledgement of God's presence. Most of my prayers are a combination of all of those at once. 
Prayer doesn't require perfection or formality, but a willing heart that seeks God earnestly. The goal is not to get God to align with your will, but to align your will with His. As you grow, you'll find that not only are you speaking to God, but you're also learning to listen and perceive His guidance and sense His peace and presence in your life. Now what's next? I know there are many believers who are on a solo mission with God, and I won't say you have to go to church, but I do strongly recommend it. You may not align with the first one that you try, but I hope you keep trying. The church that I go to now, it feels like home. I love it. I love the community. I love the message. And I love the growth of my faith that I've experienced since joining. And still, this is the seventh church I've been to. Some I only visited once. Some I tried to fit into. Some I only tried online. And to be honest, my current church I tested by watching their services online for a couple of months before I went in person. Regardless of where you find it, a community of like-minded believers is crucial for growth and support in your faith journey. The value of a faith community truly cannot be overstated. The early church gives us a pretty compelling model of what Christian community looks like. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer. They shared everything they had. They met together, they broke bread together, and they enjoyed the favor of one another. This picture emphasizes the importance of community and building spiritual growth, mutual support, and collective worship. A faith community provides a space for learning, questioning, and growing in understanding. Life's challenges can be overwhelming and having a community that prays for you, supports you in times of need, and holds you accountable to your commitments is invaluable. Being part of a community opens opportunities for service and ministry, allowing you to use your gifts and talents for the benefit of others and the glorification of God. If you're currently seeking a community to join, Begin with prayer and ask God to lead you to a community where you can grow in your faith and contribute to the growth of others. You're also invited and welcome to join us inside our free Facebook group, The Christian Parenting Community. The Christian journey was never meant to be walked alone. With the right community, you'll discover the joy and strength that comes from walking in faith alongside others, united in purpose and love for God. Scripture support here is Hebrews 10, 24-25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And Galatians 6, 2. Carry one another carry one another's burdens. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. And then we have our first bonus tip. Test everything. By that I mean I always compare what you hear, what you read, what you think with scripture. Discernment is key and that takes practice. There's a lot of teachings and there's a lot of opinions out there. And you don't have to agree with everything someone says in order to trust their spiritual guidance. So don't think I'm saying that. My pastor, whom I love and respect very much, 
once interpreted something from scripture in a way that didn't sound quite right to me. I went home and I read the verses in every single translation in order to feel confident in my understanding of them. I spoke to someone who I trust very heavily in spiritual matters, which is my grandma, and I also prayed to God for discernment and understanding in this topic. I was able to comfortably agree to disagree on a slight point without feeling the need to confront or feel any less trusting of his spiritual leadership as our pastor. As humans, we're all flawed, and more importantly, we're all subject to our own best interpretation, our own best understanding from the information that's available to us to, for our relationships with God and our Holy Spirit guidance. There's a difference between commandment and conviction. So be careful when you're listening to someone that you're not accepting their personal conviction as your fact from scripture. It may not be. There have been other situations where my discernment has led me to completely cut myself off from certain people. This is something I do only if I feel like someone's intentionally manipulating the word of God for their agenda or they're intentionally spreading false information. And that's something that I've unfortunately felt from a few Christian content creators or influencers. So just watch out for that. I feel a responsibility to protect myself from misinformation, and I encourage you to as well. We are often far more susceptible to the things that we consume than we realize. When I say test everything, I'm encouraging you not to take any single individual's opinion, interpretation, or conviction as fact. Even entire church congregations have been known to adopt false interpretations and push it heavily upon their members. Your facts come from God alone, not man. Do not conform if something is not aligned with your soul, even if your pastor tells you it. That intuition or gut feeling could very well be the Holy Spirit within you. Take your questions, concerns, and even confusion directly to God and directly to his word. Connect with a trusted loved one, a friend, a mentor, or lean on your chosen community. We're not aiming for skepticism, but we are encouraging a posture of discernment and wisdom. It's essential to know that your beliefs are rooted in the truth. Discernment is just the ability to judge well, to distinguish between truth and error, right and wrong, according to God's standards. In 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Paul tells us to test everything and hold on to what is good. This is a warning that ensures we're aware not everything presented as truth actually aligns with the biblical standard of truth. And he doesn't tell us to argue with what's wrong either. He just says, test everything and hold on to what is good. Scripture is the ultimate standard by which we can test all things. Now, some may tell you, okay, but the Bible was written by men. The Bible wasn't written by God. Yeah, but 2 Timothy 3.16 reassures us that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When we encounter new teaching ideas or practices, we can weigh them against the teaching of the Bible. Disregard whatever is unsupported. Embrace God's truth and pray for wisdom. James 1.5 if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And bonus tip two is for any of you who feel overwhelmed, 
you feel absolutely overwhelmed, you read things, they don't make sense to you, you're confused, you don't know where to start. Start with resources that are designed for children. They can simplify complex concepts and they're an excellent foundation for anyone who's new to their faith or just seeking to better understand. Starting with resources that are designed for children can be an unexpectedly effective strategy because children's resources are crafted with simplicity and clarity in mind. They're aiming to teach fundamental truths through digestible and engaging formats. So think illustrated Bible stories, simplified paraphrases of text, and songs. They can make all these concepts just much more accessible. And I don't think this simplicity is diluting the truth at all. It's just breaking it down into its most essential parts and making it easier to grasp the core message of the gospel. I do recommend everyone eventually read the full word of God. Starting with the basics can still provide you a solid foundation on which to build. Jesus himself used parables all throughout scripture to teach complex spiritual truths in relatable terms to the people he was speaking with. And children's resources do very similar work through stories, visuals, and simple language. There is a universal appeal in the straightforwardness and sincerity that's found in children's resources. And they remind us of the purity of faith. We are encouraged to have a heart posture of humility and openness anyway. In Matthew 18, 3, Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Approaching scripture with a childlike faith can lead to profound insights and refresh our understanding of God's love and grace. Your journey is personal and unique. It's going to be filled with questions and challenges and joy and many, many moments of growth. But these foundational truths can act as your guide. Know that God's love and salvation are always within your reach. You're not alone, and our community is here to support and guide and walk with you every step of the way. There's so much more I would love to share, but for the purpose of foundational basics, remember these key points. One, you're not falling behind if you're starting without a strong background. It's about where you're headed, not where you start. Two, God's love is vast and his judgment is just. Like any loving parent, he sets boundaries, not to restrict us, but to protect us from our missteps. Three, Christianity is about nurturing a real personal relationship with God beyond just religious practices. Four, heaven isn't the default setting. It's a precious gift, an invitation to eternal life with God, awaiting our acceptance. Five, God's grace calls for repentance and a life transformed by his love. The key is to prioritize a closer relationship with him. Six, are you worried about being good enough for salvation? Of course you aren't. None of us are. Just remember it's a gift. Seven, living by the word distinguishes us as followers of Christ. It sets us apart. Eight, prayer is your direct line to God. Talk to him like you would your closest friend with openness and trust. Nine, a supportive faith community is essential for growth and fellowship. If you haven't found yours yet, keep searching. And 10, if you feel overwhelmed by the depth of information to understand, start with children's resources. They're gold mines of clarity. 
I pray this blesses you and serves as a source of hope and clarity as you journey closer to God and you embrace his truth and love for your life and your family. And if you haven't yet, feel free to claim your free gift of 125 faithful parenting affirmation cards and start incorporating these values into your parenting approach today. You can find those at covenantcollections.com slash one, two. I hope this episode was valuable for you and I pray you're walking away with a new insight, perspective, or idea to implement as you move forward. Remember that God makes everything we truly need available to us and the life you've prayed for is just waiting for you to take the next step. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue showing up and reaching families who need this message. Until next time, take care and stay blessed. Thanks for listening.